Everybody. My name is Pat Hogarty and welcome back to California Real Estate Practice. This happens to be show four. And in show four, the last time that we were here, we actually finished off hopefully all of chapter one, which really talked about just the career of being a salesperson, how you get in the field, how you go, uh, the importance of going and interviewing with a number of different real estate brokers, you know, and the, sort of the keys to success to be in the real estate business. Today we're going to be moving into uh, Chapter 2, which is going to be dealing with something called prospecting. And prospecting is a very, very important part of the business, uh, real estate business, in fact, any kind of business. It's a very important part because what we're really discussing is how in the world do you go about finding clients that will want you to help them uh, list their house for sale or help them in selling their home or help them in buying a home. So how do you go about finding those people. How do they go about contacting you? And so we're going to be talking about, as they do in Chapter uh, 2, we're going to be talking about things like how to market your services, uh, second of all, how to advertise, and third of all, how to promote your business. So, And the thing that we want to kind of keep in mind is that sometimes the things that can be the very simple things that will enable us to really get clients. Uh, sometimes we may think that we need to have a great big billboard put out someplace and spend thousands of dollars and find out it actually doesn't produce any clients at all. And what really may help is for us to just go ahead and call, uh, contact all of our friends that we happen to know and let them know that we're in the real estate business. That may result in us getting, uh, you know, quite a bit of people that are interested in either listing or selling their homes. So anyway, what I'm going to be doing as usual, I'm going to be moving back and forth between me doing a little bit of talking in the document camera and uh, talking about what's in page two, uh, I'm sorry, chapter two of the book, and you're just going down through there and pointing out some uh, items. And hopefully what we'll be able to do is get most of this chapter, if, if possible, done today or a good portion of it with the idea in mind that uh, the next time that we meet for show five, what we'll be doing is finishing it up, if not completing it. And then what I want to do is spend at least one show talking about the business plan project that you're going to be working on. So anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm just moving over here to the do old document camera. And... Uh, Again, this has to do with prospecting, and prospecting really, uh, I guess the only way it makes any sense to me at all is, is that if you're looking at it being a, a miner, a gold miner, one of the things that you have to get used to is that every day you get up and you go out and you look for gold, and you may have to dig through a lot of dirt and a lot of rock to maybe find those few gems, those few jewels of gold. So that's why when you see people do gold panning, they're, you know, they're shoveling this stuff into some kind of a a dredging unit on the river or they're doing something because they have to go through maybe a lot of different rock before they finally find that gold. In fact, actually, if you think about it, in the gold miners, what they used to do is they used to say, you know what, if I move that shovel so many times a day and fill that thing up on the average, I'm probably going to end up with so much gold at the end of the day. They almost had it down to like a science of figuring out what it was, except for the days when they were really successful and had hit a lot of it. And those are the days that you're going to find. There'll be days that you'll be working along and you'll be doing a lot of activities that you think should all, in all honesty and sincerity result in you getting clients and nothing is go nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to say yes. And then all of a sudden, 
the day will come and the next thing you know the phone rings and somebody wants you to go over and list their house for sale and you, you no sooner hang up and somebody else says oh by the way you know, I was talking to you two months ago could you help me find I want to buy this house and you go what in the world's going on here I mean I worked for a month and nothing happened and all of a sudden in one day I get several calls and it's because when you plant those seeds or you make that activity you're going to find out that it may not come back all at the same time it may come back you know in you know in groups you know everybody wants to do something on one day okay so just so you know so you have to almost have a uh, a philosophy or a method that you just say I'm just gonna believe I'm gonna have a belief that if I continuously do this every day or day in and day out that this is going to work out for me and just have confidence in that you're doing the right thing so first of all and remember what we're talking about is we want to make the telephone ring that's the objective we want people to call us up and ask us for their uh, for our help in listing a house for sale or listing a property or renting a property or getting a mortgage or whatever it happens to be that's what we're trying to accomplish that's the objective it's no different than any other business if I'm in the donut shop business coffee and donut shop what I want to do is I want to be able to open that door in the morning and have people come in and say make me an espresso make me a french roast give me that donut over there that's what I want I want people to come in that's what I'm trying to do so there's a number of different ways that we can do this and they start out with basically some of the simple ways and these are ways you know again don't think that you have to make do something that is extremely complicated don't let the idea in mind that you see people going down where there's a an RT bus driving down the street with a picture of some successful real estate agent and say God that's what I have to do in order to do that you may find out that that agent really is not getting any kind of business back from that at all uh, it, it may be just the fact that they tried it and, and to see what would happen okay it's usually the personal contacts that work best for you so the first thing that you really want to do is get used to the fact of having some kind of contact on a fairly frequent basis with your clients. One of the ways that really helps out a lot is just once you start to know people, just get on the phone and call them. You know, if it's somebody that has come, in, come by an open house on a weekend and uh, they've told you that they're looking for a certain piece of property, you know, call them up and say, oh, by the way, listen, I had some time this week and I'm going to send you some information on, you know, on, on, on properties. You said you were looking for three-bedroom, two-bath in this particular area. I'm going to send you some information. If you can at all possible, get their email address because it makes it work a lot, a lot easier and quicker. We can do a lot with email now. And it saves you on postage. I forget what, uh, what a stamp costs now, but I'm sure that it probably, what is it, about 37 or 39, 39 cents now. So it's not cheap. Whereas an email doesn't cost you a heck of a lot of anything, you know. So keeping in contact with them, and if they've been previous clients, keeping, you know, how's things going? And, and, and by the way, one of the things that becomes important that you need to get, need to realize that they are not going to give you something unless you ask for it. So you always want to be in the process of always at what we call asking for the order. You know, when you're talking to somebody and you're saying, oh, by the way, uh, you know, I've sent you some information, you want to say to them, and, you want, and you're looking for a referral, say, oh, by the way, do you know of anybody that might be interested in selling a house or looking for a house? Just ask. And they may say, no, but I'll keep you in mind, okay? And eventually somebody will say yes, okay? And those are the best sources of business, by the way. Somebody says, hey, I'm happy or I met this person or a good source, good source, good solid source of business, a uh, happy customer. Email is another way, as I said before, I probably, if most people nowadays have an email address, being able to keep in contact with people via email is very, very economical. I mean, the total cost of that's gonna be your connection to the, <laughs> to the internet. 
and making up whatever it is you're going to send out a newsletter or, or a memo or a note or something like that. It's very economical to do, very, very low cost versus a, a 39 cent stamp. A uh, couple of the other things, too, that people will tend to do in this kind of a business, and, and I mean, I've gotten these kind of cards from dentists, you know, doctors, you know, people I just want to keep in contact, not just real estate and insurance people. But you may find out you're the kind of person that will send out a card for a particular reason. You could do the same thing with the Internet, by the way. There is nothing wrong with you sending something out and wishing somebody to have a happy Thanksgiving or sending them out some kind of information to keep in contact. What you really want to do, in, in my opinion, in this business is think of ways that you can reach the most amount of people for the least amount of cost. Now, don't be a chiseler. <laughs> don't try to get by without anything, but try to figure out some way. How can I keep in contact with them for the low, you know, how do I make sure that when I do it, I get the most impact? So, in other words, what you really want to be doing is meeting and talking to people that are interested in buying. Remember, the world is this big. And on a yearly basis, there's only this many people that really want to buy or sell a house. So you want to figure out, how do I get to that people? How do I target those people? How do I maximize what I'm doing for the least amount of cost? Because you can spend, you can have your picture on the side of the RT bus driving all over town and spend thousands of dollars to do that and find out it doesn't result in anything. So you really want to think of how you can do it economically. So anyway, greeting cards is another one. Another thing, too, that uh, is really important is to offer a service called a competitive market analysis. And that's done in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you may say to people in a certain geographical area, would you like to know what your house may sell for in this particular area? Okay, in other words, they may be thinking about getting the house ready to put on the market, and they need somebody's opinion. You know, is my house really, you know, I, hey, I've been around, driving around the neighborhood. I've lived in the area for a bunch of years. I'm thinking about selling my house. I've seen that there have been some homes on the market for sale that seem to be a price that, you know, that I really think is fairly attractive. But what I really need to do is have somebody come out and really tell me what they think it's going to be worth. So something called a, and it's not an appraisal. It's a comparative market analysis. And that's where you would go. They would call you up, contact you. You would go into the multiple listing service system. You would pull out all of the comparable, in other words, the properties that have sold recently. You'd put that together with a, usually most brokerages have a complete package talking about how to list your house for sale, how to qualify clients, so on and so forth. And you would be putting that together with other documents that would show houses that have sold recently. Because what becomes important about that is, is that somebody may say, oh, the house down the street sold for, you know, $400,000. Therefore, mine should sell for that. Well, what's going to be important is for you to talk to them about the fact that maybe that has a swimming pool or it has three-car garage and not two, whatever. So that's why we're talking about that. Uh, what I'm going to do is move over here to the uh, next page, if you will. Uh, so we talked about the CMA. Uh, the next thing they talk about is something called a personalized newsletter, and I have seen this done. This is on page 43. I've seen this done in a couple different ways. Uh, in the area where I live, there's a, an agent that has, uh, uh, that uh, it's a company called Folsom Lake Realty, and he basically sends out this, this, this flyer once a month in the mail. In other words, he's gone to the post office and he has a bulk rate letter. It's a very simple thing. All it is is on one side it shows all the houses that are in the area that are for sale. It shows where the house is located, how many bedrooms, how many baths, and it shows what the price is, okay? 
And on the other side of it, it usually has something like one or two of the listings that he has for sale with a photograph on it. Very low tech, very low budget. You know, this is something that he takes to Kinko's and prints on both sides. And then usually offering something like a comparative market analysis, and then usually he has something like a drawing. Well, by the way, if you, if you send this in for a comparative market analysis, you can get a free, you can put, get your name put in for a free dinner at this uh, restaurant or something like that. Believe it or not, a lot of people read that letter, including my wife. The minute that gets in the door, that's the first piece of paper that's open. Why? Because most people that live in an area want to know what's on the market. How much is it selling for? People, you really want to know. That becomes a very, very valuable. And the thing is, is that whenever you're doing any kind of advertising or promotion, you don't want to make the effort so big and so huge that you, you find out that you're in the newsletter produ production business. What you really want to do is you want to make it simple and be consistent. Simple and consistent. And you get a lot more mileage out of doing that on a monthly basis for a very, very low cost than you would be going to some printer and putting out something that costs you a couple thousand dollars worth of glossy photographs to get printed. It's amazing. Something very simple with a bulk rate from the post office that you send out is a lot more effective than something that's really fancy. And people will read it and they'll get to know who you are because they'll start to look for the newsletter. Okay? I'm going to flip this over real quick. They show you an example of a newsletter. And these can sometimes be a personality type thing depending upon how you, I have seen these newsletters and if you are comfortable and being the kind of person that wants to put your tips, your gardening tips in there, and you, that, that's you. Or you want to put in, you know, your, um, uh, your uh, cooking tips or your recipes, and that's you. The key thing is, is, it that, is that you? In other words, if you're somebody that doesn't even cook or, you know, doesn't even, not even interested, and you're putting all kinds of things in there, you want it to be your personality is coming through. Again, you want to make this simple, cheap, and economical. Something like this newsletter that they show there on that page can be done in a lot of different programs. You can do it in Microsoft Word. You can do it in WordPerfect. You can do it in, uh, uh, there's a program called Microsoft Publisher that comes in, in Office 2003. That's an excellent program that you can do all these different types of flyers. And again, you just print it out. It, it'll actually give you templates. They have templates for real estate, uh, real estate agents in which you can go in here, for example, and they'll have a place where you put a picture and they'll tell you what size to put in there. And you go ahead and you take your photograph and, and resize it and make sure that it fits. And the idea behind this is sometimes a lot of us maybe are, you know, we're pretty good in certain areas and not good in other areas. In other words, we may be very technically competent, but we're not we're very good artistically. And so what happens is, is for us to have some ideas on how things look. In other words, for somebody to say, hey, this is the way a newsletter may look, and you can take that thing and just start changing it around. That's the idea behind a template. Take their picture out, put your picture in. Okay? Really kind of helps out. But things that people would be interested in would be things like, like they're showing here, things like mortgage interest rates, uh, uh, anything that has to do with homes in the area, the way the neighborhood's going. And these need to be not big, long stories. They need to be short little things. Uh, another thing that I've seen a real estate agent that does really well, I, if you can believe this, does really well, his name's Bruce Layton, is where he organizes maybe a couple times a year a garage sale. In other words, he puts together the effort of putting the flyers together and goes in the neighborhood and says, listen, we're going to put on a community garage sale. If you want to participate, let us know. It's been a very successful thing. I mean, so a lot of people do a lot of creative stuff. 
In this particular case, they talk about mortgage interest rates, but keep in mind that what they're doing is they're doing little snippets. They're not, get, they're not dedicating something to a huge story. It's small stuff that just keeps people informed. You could have, uh, if this is the case, you could have your newsletter on the front, have something else on the back, and it all fits on one page. It's eight and a half by 11. It's very economical to get reproduced and send out, okay? Another thing to keep in mind, too, and I was going over this with somebody today, if you do a newsletter, you probably want to get used to the fact of how to do it so that it'll work on the web, because you could actually take this newsletter and create it, and then based on the email addresses you have of your clients, send it out to your clients. I have a uh, gentleman by the name of Wally Borland that works for Biotech. That's, I get a weekly newsletter from him every week talking about mortgage interest rates, okay? And all it amounts to is he creates the newsletter and bang, he sends it out. So again, cheap, cheap, real cheap stuff. Consistently do the same thing time in and time out so that people will be looking forward to it, okay? It also allows you a way because when you call them, you can say, oh, by the way, did you get my last newsletter? It's a way for you to break the ice and talk to them, okay? A um, couple other things on here I want to mention to you. I'll go down here. Another thing they talk about is something called a personalized gift. And in reality, a lot of people have spent a ton of money uh, going out and getting pens and pencils and notepads and all kinds of things made that costs a lot of money, you know, lots and lots of money to do it. Again, you want to do it so you can consistently do it. Something like a personalized gift that you show appreciation. So what we're talking about, if somebody buys a house and you've been the agent, it really is a good idea to go by and say to them, give them a bottle of wine, give them a plant, give them something, give them a, you know, something. You know, I mean, if you've earned a commission, give them something to say thank you very much. If they've sent you a client, make sure you give them something back. Let them know that you appreciate their business. You are going to find some clients that maybe will never refer any business to you. You're also going to find some clients that may refer a lot of clients to you. They're called centers of influence. These are the kind of people. <laughs> Center of influence, the way I like to think about it, is somebody, for example, that goes out and they go to the, to the beauty shop and they get their hair done and they get a change in the color and for some reason they're the kind of person that everybody looks to for advice. The next thing you know when you go to work where they work you find out that everybody that works in the office has the same hairdo as this person does because they they look to them for advice. So it's absolutely amazing you will find certain clients that will ref, you know will consistently refer business to you because people look to them for different kinds of advice. So you want to kind of have some way that you make sure you show your appreciation back to them. Um, having things like uh, spending a lot of money and putting out all kinds of calendars and pens and pencils and stuff like that, you know, you know, you can get sort of talked into where that's going to generate a lot of business. But in reality, do that sparingly because none of that stuff is cheap. I, I'm honest to tell you, none of it is cheap. You know, I mean, go out and buy a box of a thousand notepads and pass them out and find that nothing results with it, okay? So you really, and you always want to measure this stuff too. Um, another thing that they talk about here is just ta talking about gathering, finding ways of, the way I could say that this paragraph works is finding ways of gathering information about your clients so that you're able to keep in contact with them. In other words, if you've shown them property, if they've been at your open houses, looked at your houses, any kind of contact you have, make sure that you have some way of getting their name, address, phone number, some information about them. And specifically, if you can, their email address, because by goodness, that's a good way to keep in contact with people. People usually appreciate that. 
Uh, another thing is something called the geographical farm. And what that means is that you live or want to work in a specific area, in a specific area. Like, for example, I may decide, because we're, we're down here near Sacramento City College and there's land park across the street, we may very well decide we want to work and, 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 you know, that's one of the areas where we want to focus, which is land park. We like the area. We feel comfortable with the area. We know the people in the area and want to focus with them. The question is, is then how do you find out who owns the property and how do you get in contact with them? That's where you can go to a title insurance company, okay? A title insurance company would be like financial title, which happens to be pretty actively involved with us, uh, Chicago title, uh, First American title. In other words, title insurance companies. They have an, uh, a service. All of them have something called a customer service. All of them do. Every one of them do. You can call them up and say to them, excuse me, uh, I'm, you know, give them whatever your name is, the name of the company you're with, and say, listen, I'm interested in, in, in working in this specific area. Give them a geographical area, and I'd like to have you make a farm package for me. What they will be able to do is provide for you the name, name and address of all the owners of the property in that area. Okay, and they can do it in different ways. Some of them nowadays can even do them down based on the surname, you know, in other words, whether, like for example, if you have a skill like you speak Spanish and you want to reach those type of people, they can give you a list of people that have those kinds of names. So there's a lot of different things that they can do. Title companies are wonderful at providing a lot of different information. Uh, another thing that you're going to want to do is if you do go out to get a listing from somebody before you ever go out on the listing, one of the things that you're going to do is probably want to find out some information about the property. If you call the customer service number and tell them you want a property profile, uh, they will provide for you free of charge uh, all the documents that will show the grant deed, who owns the property, the deed of trust, a plat map so you know the size of the property, what their assessor's parcel number is, comparables, all that stuff. So it's a way when you, go, when you go out to meet the client, you know something about the property. Okay, so they, they're very wonderful. Financial Title is a really good company, and they can provide you with a, and a, you know, with a lot of that information to help you out. Uh, we have them come in. In fact, they'll be in a couple weeks to talk in our internship class. We have them come in and talk about all the services that they have and provide. Okay, so that's geographical farms. That's another area you can do. Um, another th way that you can uh, start meeting clients is uh, by holding open houses. One of the things that a lot of times agents will do when they first get in the business is that they need to meet clients. And so when you go out and do your interview, you interview for a brokerage to go for a brokerage, one of the things that you may want to be talking to them about is how, do you ever allow uh, new agents to hold open houses on, on existing listings? Let me give you an example. If you have a very, very successful agent that maybe has five, six, seven, eight, nine listings, whatever, there's no way that that agent can spend time on a weekend to hold all those open houses. Okay, if I have, you know, if I have a, uh, if I have, you know, as I mentioned, you know, five, six, seven listings, you know, all of those people that I have their property listed with, they're all calling me probably every week. They all want to know, have you had any leads? Are you selling the property? What's the market like? Believe me, just try to sell a house. You put yourself in this, the position of the, of the uh, selling the owner of the house, and you're going to be talking to your agent constantly. And one of the things that you're going to be concerned about is the thing that, listen, uh, you know, Joe across the street, his agent held his house open all the time because owners, people, feel that, hey, you know, if you hold an open house, boom, you're going to sell my house. 
That's not necessarily true, but that's what customers feel. So a lot of the existing agents, if they have listings, could say, listen, you know, if I, ha if I have a new agent in the office and I'm working with them, you know, they can hold the open house. Now, there's an advantage to that. The advantage to the agent, the existing agent, is now they're able to please their client because the house is actually being held open. So in other words, it's being exposed to the market so that potential buyers are stopping by on the weekend to take a look at the house. So that makes the homeowner feel comfortable. And you can report back to you know, the agent you're holding an open house with and say something like, listen, I had you know, 10 people through the open house or 15 people through the open house or whatever. So the, cu the, the, the customer, the listing people feel comfortable with that. On the other hand, it gives you an opportunity to meet people that want to buy houses. Okay? Because people that usually, now not everybody that walks in that door is going to want to buy a house. I mean, people, there's people, I mean, there's years that my wife and I, that was one of the biggest entertainment things we do on a weekend, you know, not because I like real estate, but, you know, it would be like, you don't have a lot of money, but let's go out and look at open houses all the time for all sorts of reasons. Furniture design, you know, how did they do the bathroom, what's the living room look like, a lot of reasons. But still in all, people that are interested in buying, or even live in the neighborhood and are interested in the selling are going to stop by and take a look at the house. They're going to want to know what's, what's for sale on the market, how much does it cost. They're going to want to talk to somebody. And so you as a brand new agent in the field, this is a good way for you to meet clients, for you to. But that, there's an art to holding an open house. You want to make sure that you properly prepare for it. You want to make sure that you have nice flyers for the house. You want to make sure that you have other types of literature. Like if a client walks in and says, well, what's the steps that are necessary to buy a house or list a house? You want to have some additional literature, which means you may have worked either with the company you're working for or maybe the title insurance company maybe has literature that you could turn around and pass out to people that would come in, like tips on holding your open house, how to buy a house, different kinds of finan financing methods. Like, you know, you're going to find some of your mortgage companies will have really nice literature that they'll give to you for free, you know. That'll talk about how to, how to go about acquiring financing. They'll talk about FHA, VA, or CalVet, or whatever. So that's good information you can have, so having it prepared. The other thing that's important is that when your people are coming in, have some way of collecting information on them in a very non-threatening way. Once you realize or they tell you they're looking for a certain kind of a house, you just ask them, you know, and you listen to what they say, and you say, you know, I'm, I look at houses every week. We go on tours every week, which they do. If you're an active agent and you get up and go out, you go on tour. Believe me, you will look on all the houses that are in the neighborhood for sale. Say, if I find something, would you be interested in me just sending you some literature on it? Most people say, okay. So you get their name, address, and one key word I want to overemphasize is get their email address. Because I'll give you an example. Let me give you an example of how something works. Uh, probably last year sometime, you know, as I mentioned in our internship class, one of the things that the students do is that they, they, we meet at the Board of Realtors and like next week one of the things that we do is that we have them go through this training which is multiple listing training. So they get an account to the MLS system which gives them access to all, I think it's seven counties, they understand how the system works. So they get familiar with how that system, same one that the agents work. But one of the people that comes in and does the training, which she told us, uh, she told us one time, and this is so funny, um, she, she was explaining to the students that if you have a client that comes in on the weekend and says, for example, listen, I, I'm looking for a house that's three bedrooms, two baths, two-car garage, I'm looking for this price range. If you collect all of that information and then you go in and you can build a profile, what we call a profile in this system, you know, underneath a client's name, 
and you can have the system automatically every day go in and query all the new listings. Okay, every day, is there anything that meets this client's needs? So if you can visualize, you can have all these profiles working for these different clients. Every day it goes in. If it finds something, guess what it does? Automatically, without you being involved, once you set it up, it sends them an email with all the literature. Okay? In other words, this is like hiring an assistant. And, and, and that sounds really cool, but what I really thought was, was really neat was we have a counselor here. I won't say what her name is. But she had a situation similar to that where she was looking at some open houses and, you know, and, you know, kind of looking and she put the information down and then this agent set this thing up and she didn't know how it worked and I never will tell her how it works. But she really thought it was neat that the agent would send her information. Now she didn't buy the house, but guess who did? Her son. She said, you know what, hey, this agent has done a really good job of keeping in contact with me. I really like that, so I'm not going to buy, but why not? And gave the name and phone number and guess what? Her son bought a house, okay? So the point is, is that there are a lot of ways in which you can marry together this electronic stuff to really help from a very, very economical standpoint. A um, couple other things is don't forget something called absentee owners. When you're marketing, make sure that you're, you're targeting absentee owners are people that live out of the community. In other words, those are people that are either landlords that have investment-type property or they've been in a situation where they've owned a house and they've had to move out and they haven't been able to sell, so they decide to rent it. Again, the, the title insurance company can actually give you a list of the absentee owners in the area. There's a way you can tell that. It's by, one of the easiest ways is by telling whether they have a homeowner's exemption or not because the only way you can get a homeowner's exemption is it has to be owner-occupied. So if you, if you have uh, somebody that is not owner-occupied, owner they can't get the exception. So that's one way you can screen that. The second thing is that the address for the tax bill will be going to someplace else. So it's a way you can tell. So you can send those people something specific about the community. In other words, you can say, hey, listen, guys, I know that you own the house. I know that you're living out of the area or whatever. Let me just send you some information. Hey, they just, you know, they just built, fixed the green belt, fixed the fence, did this, did that. This is what's happening in the community. Again, it's a way for you to target that specific group of people, okay, with, the, with their special interests. Or tell them that you have a service available where you can help them find clients. Um, some of the other ones that you'll find is, is that there are attorneys called probate attorneys. You're going to find out that sometimes accountants and attorneys can be a source of business. Probate attorneys, what happens with them is the fact that there are attorneys, lawyers, who specialize in estate planning. What that essentially means is that they're the people that sit down with clients <clears throat> and talk about things like how to make a will, you know, how, uh, you know, talk about setting up a will, what's going to happen to their money or whatever, and then once those people die, then the, somebody has to represent the, uh, that client, if you will, or, or what was done in the will in front of a court called the probate court. And so what you'll do is you'll find that these probate attorneys tend to specialize in that kind of work. In other words, we have attorneys that do things like uh, DUIs. That's all they do. We have attorneys that do uh, uh, eviction notices to kick people out of the, uh, where they live because they haven't been making their payments. We have attorneys that specialize in probate, pay, attorneys that specialize in workman's compensation. In other words, same thing with accountants. So what you want to do is find out who specializes in that area. And if you do, then what you can do, and you can find out who they are by going to the phone book and find out who does probate. 
and then just find some way of getting in contact with them and let them know that if they're interested in getting things like, because they're going to have to be concerned about coming up with a value for the property, you know, hiring an appraiser, because maybe, maybe when there's going to be an issue about appraising the property for estate tax purposes or for, to figure out, you know, there's five kids, how much is the property worth or listing it for sale or whatever. And usually what's important about that is, is they want to work with somebody that, that an agent that understands the process understands the probate process because it's not the same as a quick process like I'm going to put my house on the market and sell it. You may find out that the attorney has to introduce the will to the probate court. The judge takes a look at it. They appoint the executor for the estate. Now they need to get an appraisal. So it could be several months worth of time going on. And if you understand that language, that helps out a lot for them. Okay. And so anyway, if you do that, uh, another thing, too, that can be a source of business is something called for sale by owners. And some people do well at this, and some people have a difficult time with this. Basically, what this amounts to is, is that a lot of people sometimes will say, you know, I think I'm going to try to sell my house on my own. Now, I don't know what percentage of people actually do sell them. I mean, I, statistically, I could find out, but I don't know. Uh, you know, off the top, I can't tell you it's 5 or 10%, but there are a number of people that decide, I'm going to put a for sale up for some owner sign outside, I'll list it for sale, I'm going to qualify the clients, I'm going to do all that kind of stuff, and I'm going to sell it and I'm going to try to save the sales commission. Now, keep in mind that there's a lot of people that try to do that, and then after a while they realize, oh, I, now, I think I have an understanding why a real estate agent gets paid some money, because this is not as easy as I thought it was. You know, I have people that are coming and knocking on my door at 9 o'clock at night, and some of them I don't like. There's nobody screening who they happen to be. Uh, how do I actually go and ask a buyer what their financial statements are? Or how do I help them actually fill out a contract? And do, what do I need to disclose to them? You know? So you may very well see those for sale by owners either in the newspaper or signs and just say, listen, I want to provide them some information. And again, there are lots, again, this is where title companies and mortgage companies can help you out tremendously with providing stuff that you can put together as a packet and provide it to them. And they may never list with you. So what? You know, you, how long does that take to go by and drop it off or talk to them or whatever? Now, initially, they may get a little, you might be the 10th guy that's there. But remember, you're in a personality business. People are going to do business because of you, okay? They're going to, because they like you. In fact, a lot of times, if you think about it, whenever you go out to buy something, if you've been shopping around for a car, a stereo system, a TV, or whatever, you probably will end up buying it from the person that you feel most comfortable with, that has explained it to you the best out of anybody, that has made you feel more comfortable about it, that has helped you decide which TV you're going to buy or which stereo you're going to buy or what car you're going to buy. It's the same thing there. I, you know, when you're doing it, you want to just develop a relationship with a client and in a very non-threatening way. And if they feel comfortable with you, they're going to go with you. And if they don't feel comfortable with you, that's fine. You may find out that they decide to list the house for sale. You know, they've gone through that aggravation of trying to do it on their own. So now they, they get a lot of people that come in, and they finally choose somebody, and you happen to be one of them, but they didn't choose you. And then that agent lists the property, and they have a falling out, and maybe the agent doesn't actually do anything. You know, it doesn't perform, doesn't do what they consider. The listing expires, and then finally they go, you know what? That old Jennifer, I really liked her a lot. I'm going to call her up. And the next thing you know, three or four months later, bang, they call you up and want you to come out and talk to you. 
And I always like those calls because they always say, listen, I, I need to be honest with you. Could you come over? And it's kind of like, listen, I've already been through all that junk. I know what that baloney is. I really need to hire somebody that really is going to get the job done for me. Okay. Um, another thing that you're going to find that some people will, will want to focus on is something called foreclosures. What this amounts to, and we may very well see more of that, <clears throat> what this amounts to is that People that have purchased a home, and it just doesn't necessarily need to be a home. It could be land. It could be commercial property. It could be a lot of different things. But they may end up in a situation where, for whatever reason, they cannot financially continue to make the payments. Okay? They either went in over their head and they were incorrectly advised, which I think is terrible. In other words, somebody talked them into getting an interest rate only loan at some rate that's going to change within the next six months where they barely are able to qualify on their existing income with the concept in mind, listen, if I can't make the payment, I'll sell it, not realizing that when you do that, that the market may change and all those buyers are going to go away. But the point is foreclosures is another thing. you know, And that also, too, you want to keep in mind if you do get involved with foreclosures, there's a lot of things legal from a legal standpoint that you're going to need to be aware of and be able to advise clients on because there's things that you got to have to keep in mind that the way the law is structured we it's structured in such a way that we don't want to take advantage of these people so there's a lot of things that are done to help protect their interests and a lot of necessary disclosure that has to be done so again, there's not enough time to cover this, but if that's something that interests you, there's a whole process that you would want to go through if that's the area that you want to focus on. Uh, you can also look at things uh, for things like uh, a way to keep uh, your name in front of people is if you have something that is just sold or just listed. In other words, it's not tough to take a postcard, again, something really cheap, okay? It doesn't have to be complicated, and just say to somebody, listen, I just, for example, you know, stands to reason that if people live in an area that, they, that they, ha they know the area well, the surrounding neighbors know the area well, and they would like to maybe have a choice. If they could have their aunt, their uncle, their niece, their your husband, or not husband, but uh, kids or whatever move in, you know, if there's a house next door that's for sale, it would be nice for them to know that it's for sale, okay? So if you're going to list a house, it's a good idea to maybe get that information out. Hey, by the way, I just listed a house. The address is 2795, you know, Patterson Way, okay? The house is three-bedroom, two-bath, maybe a picture on the front, some facts on the back. If you've got anybody that's interested, call me with your email address and your website on there, okay? Again, it's the same thing like the gold miners did. You do a lot of digging in the dirt, right? And you're looking for those jewels. So that could be if you just listed, if it's just sold, the same thing. Just sold shows that you've done your work. You have successfully listed and sold a piece of property, so why not tell the world, hey, listen, I happen to be, maybe some other people don't do this, but I happen to have listed a house and sold it in the neighborhood. And they may call you for things like, hey, listen, if you sold that house, maybe you can sell mine. Because remember, people, even so they may not realize it, if you take a neighborhood and you look at 500 or 1,000 houses historically over a period of time, you're going to find out that no matter what, you can't predict who it is, but every year there's going to be a certain turnover rate. You know, 5% or 10% of those houses are going to sell, uh, and they're going to sell for reasons that the owners at the beginning of the year had no idea. They're going to have a job transfer. There's going to be a divorce. There's going to be a death in the family. There's going to be a lot of reasons. When I bought, when I, ha I, ha I built a house a couple years ago, if you were an agent knocked on my front door about a week 
maybe a couple days before I actually put the offer down and said, oh, listen, I, 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 you know, would you be interested in listing your house? I'd say, no, I, I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. It wasn't, which is a long story, it wasn't until I went out, my wife and I went out and were driving around and walked into a home and said, hey, we like this place. Next thing you know, we're putting an offer on it, going back, getting the other house for sale. I mean, and, and again, two weeks prior to that, I would have told you, no, I'm never going to move. Who would have thought? You know, that's what I say. Um, expired listings is another thing. Now, this is, this is another thing where you're going to have a lot of traffic. The concept here is, is that people have had their house on the market. They've had it in the multiple listing system. You have to be very careful when you do this because what you don't want to do is be in a position where you're trying to take the listing from another agent. So you have to be very careful with that. But the concept is, is that the house has been on the market and uh, it has not sold. Because remember, a listing agreement is for a period of time. We sign the listing agreement, and we say that it's good for three months, six months. So what's essentially happened is, is that the, that listing has expired. In other words, we said the, you know, at the end of June, boom, it's done. So what ends up happening is it shows up in the MLS system. I mean, you can do a data query you know, when you have the, you know, using the MLS system, say every day, give me a list of all the properties that have expired, and you can call them up. Now, some of those maybe have expired for a lot of different reasons. Some of them have expired because, you know, the, the pe people that want to sell it, the condition of the house is terrible, and the price they want, it's never going to sell. In other words, no matter how much you talk to them, the house, they want, they want top-of-the-line market value, and the house needs a paint job, the carpeting is terrible, it's not in very good condition. And they just won't step up to the fact that, listen, the, you know, they're not going to get that price. And because they haven't been able to, you know, to list the price correctly, they haven't been able to attract buyers. And consequently, what's ended up happening is, you know, they haven't sold it. It's expired. It also could be for other reasons, such as they've been very uncooperative. You know, the agents tried to show the house, and they say, listen, well, I sleep during the day, so you can't show it then. And uh, I, you can't do it on the weekends. And what they've done is they've made it in such a way. You even have people that will say, sell my house, but please don't put a sign outside. Don't put it for sale. I'm telling you the truth. That happens. People will say, don't put it for sale sign. I don't want anybody in the neighborhood to know that I'm selling my house. And you go, why? People are people, you know. So what's ended up happening is the agent is done, you know, they've just taken away all the tools the agents had. And the agents tried what they could to sell it, and they haven't, and it's expired. Now, some of those people, maybe, maybe you don't want to have. You, don't want, you know, you say, you know what, I don't want them as a client. <laughs> They're a pain in the neck. But you may find out that all of a sudden, you know, they've, come, they've seen the light. You know, they've said, you know what, I, I need to sell the house, and I need to step up to the plate. I need to reduce the price. I need to fix it up. I need to stage it. I need to have it open on weekends, you know, and you happen to walk in the door, and you're the guy that, or the gal that gets it. So keep that in mind. That's expired list is. Um, they talk about, okay, let me see, open houses. I'm going to move down here to open houses. Open houses is a second source. You really, really, really have to make sure that you plan for these open houses. Uh, very important. Uh, you are going to probably find real estate agents in this community that will tell you that open houses don't sell the house and they're a waste of time. And I think they're missing the point, in my personal opinion. You, when you hold an open house, you're trying to expose the house to the community and the people that are looking for houses to buy. And remember, you're holding it open on a weekend, and it's those people that are out that weekend that are looking for a house. So the chances of you maybe selling that house on that weekend, who knows, okay? 
Uh, you're going to find out that the people that are going to be looking at the house, the people that are driving around and looking, some of them will be like me looking for design ideas. Uh, some of the people are going to be, who potentially could maybe want to sell in the next three or six months. You're going to find out that sometimes it'll be, uh, the people that will be coming through will be with a, another real estate agent and they saw your sign and they were showing some houses in the community and thought it would be a good idea to show the house. And also some people that are really coming through looking, not really sure, and they need some help and you just happen to click with them and that's the people you want to find. Those are the people you're looking for. The idea in mind is that, yes, you are trying to sell the house, yes, but what you are really doing is you are looking for clients, and you need to be honest with yourself and say that. And, and, and you, what you're trying to do is just statistically, you know, you have no control over, the only thing you have control over in life, by the way, there's only one thing that I know of, you have control over life, and that's whether you get up in the morning or not. That's about it. You have no other control. You can't control what anybody else does or says or, you know, you think you can, but you can't. You only have control over that and how many times you try to do something and then who you try it with. So consequently, you know, you, you don't know when they walk in the door. I mean, they could walk in the door and look like a bum like I have a lot of times and you don't think the guy has two nickels to rub together and realize the reason why I have pain in my hair and, and an old busted up t-shirt on and holes in my jeans is because I've been working on my rental property. I have no idea who I happen to be, you know. And it, it's kind of funny, you know. I mean, they think that people that pull up in the Mercedes Benz, you know, the real expensive car or the Jaguar and get out with the suits and ties on have a lot of money only to find out they don't have two nickels to rub together. You know, they, uh, you know they got everything mortgaged to the hilt. And by the way, that car they have, that's where all their money is going. They rent a, they rent a small little one-bedroom house someplace, you know, or apartment. So the point is you don't know who they are. You don't know when they're going to buy. All you can do is say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to do the best I can to show the house. I'm going to make sure I have enough literature there to answer their questions. And I'm going to make sure that I have some way of recording who they are so I have some way to get back to them. It's a good way of getting business. I even saw where one uh, agent that used to work for a company uh, many years ago, she was a top producer. She, she used to hold open houses during the week sometimes, and she used to do very well with that. People would stop by. The other thing that kind of drives me crazy that agents will do is that, remember, you are trying to meet people and meet people in the community, Okay. If I want to sell houses in Land Park and I'm holding a house in Land Park, I want to meet people that live in Land Park. I want to meet people that want to buy houses in Land Park and people that want to sell houses in Land Park. And what's amazed me is, is to walk into a house and say they have flyers, you know, and they never think of having enough flyers. You know, like they're going to have an open house and they have maybe 10 flyers made, you know, or 15, or they spend too much money on the flyer. And you walk in and you look at the house, you know, and they go to give you the flyer. And, and then after a couple minutes, especially if you live in the neighborhood, you say, well, I live right across the street or downtown. You say, oh, could you give me that flyer back? You know, uh, you know that, that's for real customers. I, I, I can't, you know, that's the inf inference that I get from it. You know, that's the way I feel. And I think to myself, wait a minute, you know, I, I'm, if I live across the street, there might be people that might be interested that I know in buying that house, Okay. There also might, I might be interested in selling a house, you know. I mean, a lot of us that maybe have like a large house may want to downsize. Some of us that has a small house and our, our family is getting larger may want to buy a bigger house. So you want to meet the people in the community, which brings me to two. Sometimes they'll talk in here about door knocking and people say, I feel uncomfortable. I cannot go up to somebody's door and go, hi, my name is Pat Hogarty and I want to, I want to list your house for sale. I don't know what to do. 
The thing is, is if you're going to hold an open house and you want to do that, the thing to do is to take some of those flyers, and if you're going to, at least within the neighbor, you know, in the surrounding neighbor, just go up and say, hi, my name's Pat. I just wanted to let you know we have a house that we're going to have open this weekend down, down here, down the street on the left-hand side. This is the address, a picture. I'd like to invite you down so you can see what the house looks like. You know, we're going to have some cookies or whatever it happens to be. Guess what? People show up. People do show up. It's a good way and a very non-threatening way to let them know that it's for sale. And, pe and it does work well. But just going up and knocking on the door doesn't make sense, but doing it in conjunction with an open house is good. And it makes you feel comfortable. You're just announcing them. You know, you're, just, you're just letting them know. You're being kind to them to let them know that it's for sale and inviting them down to take a look. And then when they go down, especially a lot of people feel uncomfortable. They go, God, I'm not going to go to the house down the street. I live in the neighborhood. They'll kind of know what I am. Maybe I ought to sneak down there. I'll put a mask on so they don't know what I'll, I'll put a hat on. Here, here you're the agent, and you're saying, come on down, take a look at the house. See what the Joneses' house looks like. I want you, because you know what, when, I, when you see the house, I'm kind of actually going to enlist you as an, an additional sales agent. <laughs> Maybe you may know somebody that it might be interested in buying the house. Very, very important technique. So open houses are important. Don't let anybody discourage you at all from doing that. I think it's a good way to, if you're breaking in the business and, you, and you're trying to do things for a small, of no amount of money at all, and you want to meet, remember, you want to meet people that want to buy and sell real estate, period. That's a good way to meet people <laughs> that want to buy and sell real estate. Um, they have some pointers in here. Um, let me see where we were in this one here, uh, open houses. A couple tips that they have here. Let's see if any of this is important. Uh, it says, open, holding open houses can be beneficial to you as an agent in four basic reasons. They expose your listings to the buy, buying public and other agents who may not have previously seen the listings. The reason why they say the last part is, is you may not realize this, but when you list a house for sale, prior to you actually putting it on the market and having an open house, what you'll do is you'll have an open house for agents. So visualize this for a minute. You went out on a Saturday, you got a listing. You got the listing all tied up. The chances of you actually knowing somebody that wants to buy that specific house could be far and few between. You may run into them, but, but what you really want to do is there's a good possibility that a lot of other agents in the community know about it. Well, this is a for, formalized for, uh, system that runs every week. What happens is, is we have, in, at least in Sacramento County, we have uh, what we call multiple listing meetings once a week on Tuesdays. Uh, there are four different locations in what they are. They're on the first Tuesday of the month, there's the main meeting at the Sacramento Association of Realtors at 2003 Howe Avenue, and there's probably a couple hundred people come there. And then every week after that, the other off weeks, there's one in Orangevale, there's one in uh, Elk Grove, there's one in South Sacramento, and there's one wh where the association is. What they do is they usually come in, the agents will have a speaker, you know, we, we've had speakers come in that have been journalists, you know, I mean, you know, uh, columnists, uh, bankers, economists, they'll come in and speak. And then after that, the agents get together and they caravan and they go look at all these houses. And so if you have a listing, one of the things you're going to be doing is, is trying to encourage those agents to come through. So if you can get 30, 40 people to come through the house, then hopefully they're the people that will see the house and be interested in having clients to, to buy it. Okay, that's the idea. You want to be able to list it, expose it to enough people, and hopefully sell it the next weekend if possible. So that's part of. Plus, it shows your it shows your client 
who has the, that you have the listing with that you are really serious. You have a lot of activity. You're showing brokers. You're having open houses. You're running ads in the paper, and the client's really happy. Okay, they're not having to call you and say, "Are you doing anything this week at all?" I don't see anything. <laughs> you're doing something. Okay. Uh, the second thing that they talk about here is uh, they demonstrate, as I mentioned before, to your sellers how hard you are working for them to obtain the best price for their homes. Remember, you the better. The way you get the best price is by exposing it to the largest market. The larger the market, the ch better the chances of you getting a better price. That's what you want to tell your clients. And if you're doing this, you want to tell your clients in a listing presentation what you're going to do, okay, that you're going to do all of these things. That's how you, you know, you, know, you want to tell them, listen, I have no control over who's going to look at the house, whatever, you know, I mean, I need to get it to the largest exposed market. Uh, to get to meet potential, this is probably what I think is very important, to get to meet potential buyers as well as pros prospects who may need to sell their homes prior to purchasing another. That's a big one. We all start, you know, think about this. If you get ready to buy anything, anything, I don't care what it is, probably one of the places that you start on the weekend, if it's not the Internet, you're starting at the newspaper. You, if you're going to look for a car, you look for car ads. If you're looking to buy uh uh, a computer, you'll look, go through the ads. We all start our research. We all go through, and then we start going to different stores. Well, instead of going to stores, you start going to houses to see what they're for sale for. Okay? And then you get to meet neighbors and to build up your database of prospects. Remember, you want that. You, you should have a goal of trying to build quality prospects, not junk, quality. In other words, you should be saying to yourself, how do I build that list of people that I'm able, how do I enlarge that sphere of influence of people that I know so that when I send that email out, it's going out not to two people, but it's going out to maybe hundreds of people. And I'm keeping them informed, and they're like hiring a bunch of little salespeople that are helping me make my business go. So how do I do that? One of the ways is by making sure, you know, getting to know who the neighbors are. Um, after that, they have some guidelines uh, for uh, holding open houses, and we can, be, we can go through, I'll go through this uh, a little bit, and then we'll be close to the end. Uh, in other words, you need to develop a checklist. And one of the things that I recommend to our interns that are going through our interns, in fact, we have one of our sponsors is Keller Williams, and uh, this guy, uh, gentleman Bob was telling the students yesterday, you know, you really want to go not on one person's open house, you want to go on a lot of them. Because what you want to do is you want to see how different people do things. Because certain things that some people will do, you'll say, hey, that really may, I, I like that. that. That fits me. I really like that a lot. And you may find that there's other things that you don't like. So what you have to do is by going out and looking at a lot of things, you're sort of putting together the way you want to do it. It's kind of like the same way interior decorators work. If you've ever worked with an architect or an interior decorator, one of the things interior decorators will do, they'll say, listen, why don't you, between now and the next time we meet, why don't you go through all these magazines and cut out pictures of what you think you like, okay? So that when we meet, I'll have a general idea of what it is that I, you know, how I can help you. You know, I want to know what your colors are. What, you know, what, do you like dark colors or light colors? What kind of furniture you like or whatever? It's the same thing with open houses. You want to find out what works. You'll look at something and say, hey, I like that idea. That works for me. Okay, or I don't like that idea. So you want to look at a lot of open houses, okay, or participate in them. Uh, it says, uh, first thing is place an open house sign on the property a week in advance, informing neighbors that the open house will be held on whatever date. So you want to let people know, listen, next weekend there's going to be an open house. 
you know, that's where you have where you put on top of the sign where it may say sale pending or something. You say open house this weekend. You and you want to put that not like the day it happened. You want to let people know, hey, this is coming up. Okay. Uh, advertise the open house in the newspaper with easy driving directions. It doesn't have to be a big ad. Okay. It's kind of like those garage sale ads. I don't know if you've ever had a garage sale, but my God, you put a two line. <laughs> In the newspaper garage sale, they're knocking on your door at six o'clock in the morning trying to get the bargains. It's the same thing here. It doesn't have to be difficult, or big. It just has to be that you have an ad in there. Okay. Uh, contact successful real estate agents and invite them to the open house. Let them know that hey, listen, I'm having an open house. If you have any clients, bring them by. Uh, contact at least 25 of the neighbors uh, personally and invite them. Take those flyers down and say, hey, listen, we're having an open house. I don't know if you saw the sign down there, but we're having an open house this weekend. Come on down. Okay. Um, half hour before the open house, visit the neighbors you have invited and remind them if you have a chance to do that. Place an open house sign in strategic locations. That's another thing. Please make sure that the open house signs and employees that, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I've had open houses where I'm driving around and I get to a point and then I'm lost. I can't, you know, I can't get there. Like they give me a sign, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. It should be leading you to the house. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, where am I now? I'm out here in the middle of nowhere, and I can't even figure out how to get out of here. You want to make sure that you have that and have some way for people to notice it. Um, uh, you've got it. This is key. You need to have a guest book for a number of reasons. One is it shows your client that you have had activity. Okay, yes, I have the open house, and here are, I started out with 50 flyers. Out of those 50 flyers, I got rid of all 50, and on top of that, here is 25 people that I have their name, and I have been working for you. Remember, you want to show your client that you're working for them, and then one of the ways you can with that. The other thing is that guest book can provide you with potential clients that you can put in your database to continuously update. Okay? Um, and then they go down through here, you know, you can have a drawing for a lottery ticket, encourages visitor to accurately sign the, uh, the book. There's a lot of things. As long as you do it very friend, fun, you know, a lot of fun, friendliness, it works really well, okay? Don't make it really difficult. I'm looking at the clock now and make sure I go off at the right time. Can anybody see that? It looks like it's coming up pretty close. Okay. Um, the next time, what we're going to do is pick up, we're going to finish off here on page 47, so I remember where we are. We're going to finish up, and that's where we'll pick up the next time that we meet, which will be for show number five. And remember, what I want to do is I want to get to the point where we finish this chapter off, and hopefully I'll be able to do that for sure and during the next show. And then what will happen is then I want to do the business plan part. I want to do a show just on the business plan and go over that and the importance and all the stuff that you have to do with that. So with that, I think we're pretty much done. I want to thank you very much for coming, and we will see you back here. Yes. Sure. Um, let me. He wants me to take off the document camera. Okay. Uh, I see. I don't see anything. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Are we going off the air now, Bob? Yeah, we're going to get ready to go off the air here. Okay. okay. Great. Bye bye. Bye-bye.